Hey, this is Jeremy, and you're listening to Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. Today, we're talking to John Thompson. Having realized his passion for plumbing early on in life, John's main hustle in his commercial plumbing business, on the side, he's co-founder of his very own media company that shines light on the potential in the trades for anyone willing to get their hands dirty. This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. Today, we're here with John Thompson, who goes by the name OG Plum God. John, thanks for being with us today. Yo, what is up, Jeremy? <laughs> I'm so I'm so stoked to be on here. Um, I'm exhausted. I'm a little exhausted, so bear, you're gonna have to bear with me, probably. Yeah, dude, I caught a live of you the other day. Uh, you snapping a course at least? I got the Bud Lights flowing, so. Yep, yep. I just cracked a, a Budweiser. Um, so yeah, here we go. <laughs> all right. So you are <laughs> you're a plumber by trade. I want to dive into all different types of trades, and you're a plumber. I want to know more about you where you live, and honestly, how you got to being where you are right now. Yeah, so um, my name is John Thompson, and I own and operate a business called Thompson Family Plumbing and Rooter. And we have two locations, one in California where we started, and then one uh, in Arizona where we just recently branched out. I, for a long time, worked at various different places just like everybody, you know, sandwich mm-hmm. shops, grocery stores. I did fencing for a while and I really loved that because it was very physical. But everywhere I worked, I never really felt like I got where I was supposed to be at. You know, I yeah. I always felt like I moved up the totem pole and I mastered everything that they were giving me really super fast, but they wouldn't let me progress, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, when I get when I got into fencing, I was able to rock and roll and just kick ass and and progress myself and actually go out on my own and start doing my own thing. So I was, I was a a business owner doing fencing for about a year and a half. Uh, and that actually was a demise to my first, uh, my first marriage because I was gone all the time. Um, I put my work before everything and I still kind of do. Um, obviously my kids are very super important to me and so is my wife and, and my other, my employees too, you know, at, when I was younger, I I was thinking about how am I going to succeed in this life? you know, especially being married for the first time and, you know, trying to meet expectations, <laughs> all of both of our families. Right. Yeah. So I just was kicking ass and I wanted to just go, go, go. <laughs> Stuff happened, you know, uh, we broke up and, um, I was on my own. I did music for a little while for, uh, about a year I was traveling, doing music touring. And then I stopped that and I was like, you know what, I got to get back on the horse with this work stuff, man, real, a real job. So I found plumbing, my friend, uh, was they were looking for apprentices at the time and they were hiring a bunch of young guys. They wouldn't yep. hire anybody that was over 23. And just so happened, I was 22. It was a perfect time for me. And um, I got in there and they hired 20 other people. Okay. And at the end of the year, there was only three of us left out of those 20 people. And it was, okay. it was so bizarre to me. But when I got into this trade, okay, when I got into plumbing, I'm like, holy shit, this is exactly where I need to be. It just like clicked for me. I'm like, this is it. This is my career. <laughs> and it, it was it was so weird. But I feel like anybody that's in the trades, they kind of they kind of get that that same kind of feeling. Like this is where I belong. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So, I mean, not to talk too much about myself because our listeners already know about me. But that was the same way I felt when I went from. You know, I was at a college prep high school, went right into the military, didn't have the grades to go to college. So, you know, that was what it was. But I jumped into the, to the Coast Guard and boom, right. They, I had all these trades. They're like, what do you want to be? Do you want to drive boats? Do you want to do you want to weld? Do you want to do plumbing? Do you want to do this, this and this? So I, I went right to my first duty station with no like um, essentially job. And it was like, f- figure out what you want to do. And it was within engineering and, and go from there. And honestly, the first time I got on the boat, we had this, uh, it's damage controlman, but essentially he was unclogging a, uh, a toilet and there was just sewage everywhere. And I was like, I don't, I do not want to do that. But so I found, I found my passion in, in, uh, in mechanics. 
And, you know, we dealt with pumps from, you know, wastewater pumps, gray water pumps, all that stuff. And, it, you know, it was good. It's, it, but, yeah, right then and there, I knew what I wanted to do. And like I said, these things aren't taught to us anymore. And no. so it's nice to be able to talk about it and, and bring light to this. So, well, I think um, that it's something that our teachers have missed and, and, and our, our parents missed. And they oh, kind of threw to the wayside because, I mean, I don't, how old are you, Jeremy? I'm 35 now. You're 35. I'm 36. So yeah. our generation, they right. were telling us if we didn't go to college, we're going to be nothing in our, in our life, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And so people like you and I that need to work with our hands, we got pushed to the wayside and we got forced into thinking that we're not going to be anything if we didn't go do what they wanted us to do or what they're telling us to do. And so I think that's why I pushed so hard to succeed because everyone was saying, hey, if you don't go to college, you're, you're going to be basically a piece of shit, you know? Yeah, no, keep going. You're, you're, and it wasn't, it wasn't for me. I hated school. I, I wasn't good at it. And I, I believe most people that are good with their hands and that are great mechanics, they were never good at school. They were, they were probably good at math, but nothing else, right? Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to I don't want to sound too crazy in, in this either, but like it felt right with with being a mechanic. Like it was it, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was I have to try when when I'm reading a book or when right. I'm, you know, learning or whatever. And it's it, it feels forced. It feels natural when I'm, you know, going over wiring diagrams or diagnosing something or just getting dirty. I mean, it it just makes sense. It clicks. It's still hard, but yeah. it, it you know, that's the way my body's built. It's crazy. But, but they don't teach us how to find that our careers, right? And I'll right. tell you how you find your career is you experiment with jobs and what feels right is right. Yeah. Don't put your feelings to the wayside and say, this isn't where I belong if it feels so right. Don't listen to other people telling you you shouldn't be doing it if it feels right to you. Go so, along with, with what you feel as an individual and what fits you, not, not, not what everyone else is pushing on you. Yeah. So, so why did you just jump in? Did you jump into becoming a business owner in the plumbing field? Like, has that yeah. always been, so what, so what really made you just, it really wasn't my passion. Um, obviously I'm a, I'm a born entrepreneur and, and, yeah. and I just am, um, I've been doing it since I was a kid slinging baseball cards and pods and, <laughs> you know, so it's just in my DNA. My dad was always a business owner and he always taught me to reach for the stars, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And you don't have to rely on other people to do it. You can make your own shit happen. You know, I don't really communicate too much with, with my father anymore, but he definitely instilled some great work ethics and not just me, but my entire family. And, uh, we know how to get shit done and yeah. it goes with your confidence level and stuff like that. But anyways, I was working and I was instantly making the most amount of money I can make, uh, at this shop. Um, I was beating out everybody and I was just like, you know, a year and a half in and I'm already the top guy and in my shop in sales. So I'm like, I was, I was young. I was 23 at that time. And I felt so much pressure to like continue doing better and more and more. And I did, but there's a certain point where you break, you know, you can't hold on. You can't hold up 30 guys by yourself, you know, and yeah. that's kind of, that's, I know that that's not what was happening, but that's what I felt. I put it on myself to hold the whole crew, you know? So anyways, I'm like, there, I, I was like, I can't do this forever. I got it. I got to find my own sanity here. And I am working my ass off and I love what I do. I absolutely love working with customers and the way I'm, I, I'm conducting business with, with them and my profession. I'm like, how am I, how am I going to make something out of this? At that time I had two kids. I had my, uh, my oldest daughter and my, my oldest son. And, um, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, never home. And I'm like, I want, <laughs> this is every, every, every business owner's thought, right? I'm going to be able to control my schedule by owning my own business. Well, that's the first, uh, wrong thought process <laughs> you have because now you, you think you're going into business, not having any bosses, but now every single one of your customers is your boss. Yeah. And you better think of it that way. Otherwise you're going to lose business and you're not going to be a good business owner. But, yeah. um, so, uh, I was game planning on, uh, obviously I had to get my license. I had a, a really good mentor where I was working with and he, he helped me get my license and taught me how to do it. And, uh, he showed me a little bit about business on as far as, uh, how he saw me running my business. Cause he had already done it before and he's already, he was already retired million millionaire. 
And he was just, you know, he went back to work working for uh, Rescue Rooters where I was at uh, because he needed something to do. You know, yeah. he didn't have to have the money. He just was going to work and he was already done with his life. He already he's already got <laughs> his money in the bank. But anyways, um, so I'm like, OK, well, if this is what I'm doing, I need to go work for a mom and pop shop because I was working for a pretty big corporate company. So I'm like, I want to know how small business is doing it in this industry. So I did that for a little bit. They found out that I have my license and they canned me. Ooh. So I was obviously I was already trying to make moves, but I wasn't yeah. doing any side work or nothing like that. I wasn't pushing my business at all at that time because I wasn't ready. And I'm the type of guy that if I'm going to do something, I want to make sure everything's like lined up really good before I actually do it. But they pushed me off, off the ledge and I just fucking took my parachute and just <laughs> rode with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. I had a really good support team with my, my, my wife, um, Devin Thompson. She's amazing. Yeah, no, she, I saw, um, you guys had a YouTube channel and you guys do a little bit of empowerment and a little trade talk, uh, the yeah. two of you. And I, I, you know, I caught a few of them and it's awesome. She seems like a rock. Dude, she is my rock. Uh, without her, uh, my, my business wouldn't be surviving and thriving. It may, may be surviving, but it may not be, it definitely wouldn't be thriving the way it does. You know, she's in charge of HR keeping, keeping the bills paid, making sure we're making the right decisions with the amount of money that we have so that we're spending adequately. You know, all of these things come into play when you're dealing with big money, you want to make sure you're, you're dealing, you're doing a good decision. So, uh, you know, she's definitely guided, uh, us to success. And, um, you know, I, I can, I don't think I'll, I'll ever be able to repay her for what she's done for the family. You know, uh, she definitely has put, put us on the map. Um, you know, uh, our families were both poor, you know, so we feel really good about where we are and what we're doing. And, you know, we want to take care of dad and mom, you know, we want to take care of every, everybody and however we can. But the biggest thing is, is we want to set a great example for our children and, um, and not just our children, but our employees, children and the kids and, around us in the areas that we are building our businesses at. We want to teach these kids that, there is some, a place for you in this universe and it may not be at college. It may not be in the book. It may not be at that desk. It may not be with animals. It may just, it may be, you need to get dirty, man. And yeah. it's perfectly okay. And don't let anybody think that, you know, you're not worth something because you are, and you can make a damn good money blue collar, you know? Yeah. So, so how do you do your outreach? I mean, so you're, you're with the kids, you're, you're, uh, you're teaching them about the trade. I mean, somebody mentored you, so you want to pay it forward. Um, what's your go-to you with, you affiliated with a school. Do you, do you just kind of so, take on? Yeah. Go on. So we're, we're really big in our community, especially in California, in Arizona here, I'm new to the area and I'm really trying to, uh, you know, grow some roots here. But, um, realistically, my wife grew up in Hesperia, California, yeah. uh, born and raised, and she knows all, <laughs> everybody in the school district. She knows everybody in the community. So it's, it's really, that's really what, what has helped our business grow is that she had a good reputation as a child, you know, and, um, they saw the honesty in her and they supported her. And so we support them obviously, but, um, yep. so we get in contact with the school and the school contacts us whenever they have any talks with the kids or what, is, what do they do? It's the, um, is it like a co-op or anything uh, like that? They do like dress to impress. They do, okay. uh, they do little job interview stuff with, with, the the high schoolers yep. and the middle schoolers. So we do that stuff whenever we can, we make sure that we're a part of all the marathons in town or anything, any big, uh, event in our town. We try and make sure our presence is seen and known there so that when these, we see these kids, we talk to them about what we do. And, um, if they have any questions, you know, we tell them we're always hiring and we're always willing to teach you guys something. And you can do ride alongs with us and see if you something that you like, you know, we try and do whatever we can to show these kids that there's another way to succeed in life than just college. But, well, and it, and it's good too. I mean, because it's, it, you know, as much as you're paying it forward too, there's a silver lining for you on the back end is the fact that, you know, you getting your name out there, you're, you're, you're a force out there. You're trying to, build a business, grow a business, you need a labor force. Those guys are going to gravitate towards you naturally because you've been sitting there mentoring them. So as a business owner, not, this is a, yeah. And it may not happen right now. It's not a right now investment. No, it's a long-term investment. 
And that's the thing that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not just going to be a one hit wonder. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that will take advantage of their relationships with people and then they won't have repeat business. Repeat business is the absolute most important thing. So with that being said, is that you, uh, they, everyone's saying it now, you know, you can't hire that technician that you want. you got to build them. You yeah. have to build them from the ground up. And the only way to build them from the ground up is getting them right out of high school and, and teaching them. So, and if it's not the kids that we've already been talking to, it's like, Hey, uh, their friends sitting at home, just playing video games. Like, Hey, go, go check out Thompson <laughs> family plumbing, you know, yeah. might be hiring, you know, and it's just the word of mouth and having them know that you are willing to, uh, give them a shot or listen to them or try and help guide them in some way. Hey, I right. may not have a job for everybody, but I can, uh, sit down and have a 30 minute conversation with you about your future. I mean, I don't mind that at all. I mean, I do it all day on Instagram. So why wouldn't I do it in my own community? I definitely would. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing too, is, is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have come down and pushed the broom at my shop and, and, you know, dropped off customers or, you know, help with oil changes or held a tool or whatever. And then realized, you know what, this isn't for me. And, right. you know, and that's cool. And, and that's I, I expect, I, ex- I expect there to be some, you know, people that just come right through and, and, and leave, but you know what? That'll build a, a, a smarter person somewhere else and, you know, they'll have some work ethic and maybe they'll, have, you know, be a little bit more lenient when it comes to contractors. But um, in the same time, like, it's cool for people to come in and out and, and, and move on, you know? Oh, hell yeah. So uh, any unspoken trends or issues in your trade? I mean, uh, for us, it's, you know, kind of overcoming the, the whole grease monkey um, thing. Uh-huh. It, it, well, I mean, it sucks because it's like, you know, we, we tried to do this whole, like going from mechanic to technician, granted, I like the, the term mechanic better than technician, but it's like, you know, now with Tesla's and this and that, it, you got to be more of a, a computer savvy person. And, you know, you're trying to build, you're, you almost want to be held to the same standard as a doctor th- than uh, a, a wrench turner. You know what I mean? So, oh, absolutely. but I mean, any, anything go, going on in your industry that that's, um, you know, yeah, not we- really spoken about? Yeah. I mean, to me, what it is, is, uh, customer's perception of the service and of, uh, the servicing technicians as a whole coming into the house. Um, you know, we're not handymen, but what they do, what people do, they tend to do is think about handyman prices and not real tradesman prices, you know, and what it actually takes to get there. Just a regular handyman. He's not paying workman's comp. He probably is not even paying insurance. He definitely doesn't have reoccurring education, definitely not paying for his, his license and bond. I mean, I guess there are some handyman that have general contractor licenses and they're doing it the right way, but 90% of the handyman, they are not doing it the right way. And those are the prices that some customers want and that they see that they're going to get out of you. And they're thinking like, you know, $45 an hour, not no $235 an hour. So it's like, how do we create that understanding for our customers, you know, before they just throw you out the house. Right. And you do that with presentation. You do that with phone etiquette. You do that with software etiquette and software presentation. Really. Uh, you do that with walkthroughs and you, you set the professionalism from the moment they call you. And that is how you have to separate yourself apart from these Joe blow guys out there. You want, I mean, it, it depends on what you want me, what I want, is I want to be the the most professional and the most expensive contractor around. I'm perfectly okay with that. And I have reviews all over online that say Thompson Valley Plumbing is really expensive, but they do a fantastic job. I love that review. I'm perfectly okay with that because when people read that, they're going to know what they're going to get before they, they have us at their house. But that doesn't mean we shortchange them and uh, with the service that we're providing. You know, we have to make sure that we're um, carrying these things on from. Uh, house to house every single time. If I do everything by my book and then my next guy comes in there and doesn't, he's not meeting the customer's expectations of what their first experience with us, you know? Right. So, um, you know, and my wife really, um, does a great job by trying to create these standards with me, um, about this new quality that we want to be represented by. And, and that, that gap separation between the handyman and the actual, uh, servicing plumbing technician that's out coming to the home for us. That's it, the hardest barrier to break down. 
Well, and it was it was funny because the the, the one one of the YouTube videos I watched of, of you and your wife was exactly that. And I'm not making fun of roofers, so roofers don't take this in. Um, <laughs> but I had I I literally had an issue. We had a leak. I called a roofer. Mailbox is full. I knew the roofer personally. I'm like, can you come and help? And he's he's like, you know, super busy, blah blah blah. But it, that's the thing is, is like they're really good at their craft, but awful at business. And you know, she hit the nail on the head by saying like, pick up your phone and answer the call. Like that, that's all well, you so, need to do. Yeah. So that's that's the whole thing right there. We don't go into business to be a businessman most of the time. Us tradesmen, we go into business to work for ourselves mm-hmm. and to do our job, right? And create work for ourselves. But we're not businessmen. We have to learn how to become businessmen and create that professionalism for our customers that they're probably expecting from you. Right. And and that's and that's what's difficult. You know, I, when you finally hit that that ceiling and you're like, hey, I'm gonna go from being the foreman or or being, you know, the number two guy and like what's the next step for my family? I'm whatever, 25, 35, it doesn't matter. You know, you still got 25, 30 years left in the industry. You're like, all right, what's next? Business ownership. Well, yep. you, you know, and, and sometimes it's a totally different it's a totally yeah. different mindset. Yeah, and some people aren't cut out for it. And it's they it's aren't. funny because I've seen some really good guys and, and really good at what they do just fail at business because they just don't have what it takes. And and it's and it sucks because they're skilled tradesmen, you know what I mean? Right. But that's perfectly okay. And it's not for everybody. And but that doesn't mean they can't get paid what they're what they're owed. You know what I mean? Right. There's plenty of great companies out there that are willing to pay top dollar for these guys to come and work for them, but they still have to, you know, a lot of a lot of the good guys, they have their attitudes and they have like, oh, I'm better than everybody else. You still have to come in with an open mind and and still be willing to learn, even if you are the best. You know, if if you're if you as a plumber, you as a mechanic are doing side work, that means your employer um, isn't necessarily valuing you at, at what you're worth. Right. You, you, right. you need more to make ends meet. So yep. it, it, it seems like it's a circle because then side work actually hurts your employer because you're undercutting your employer. Here's why they fired me is because I had a license and they thought I was doing side work. I'm like, bro, I don't have time to do side work. You right. think I can make a hundred. Uh, you think I can do eighty thousand dollars worth of sales and produce that work if I'm doing side work? I'm like, right. I don't want to. I'm exhausted by the end of the day. <laughs> I'm like, my family calls me for service. I'm like, I tell them to fuck off. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too is you know I, I actually uh, my mother in law she brings her car to the shop. I, I pride myself on being able to give a good price and give you an honest shop to to. Uh, to get your car serviced at. I mean, right. I think that's good in its own right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, you know, there are other people that I might, you know, help out a little bit here and there, but you're right. I have no time to, to make an extra 200 bucks on the side. It's, mm-hmm. it's just not worth my time. So cool builder project, something that you've done recently or in the past that really excited you, whether it was plumbing related or not a new tool, a new uh, style of doing something. Well, so right now, um, a lot of people know this if they follow me on Instagram that I've been um, doing lining. So yes, uh, so and I know Russ probably talked about this on on the podcast too because he's he's recently gotten into it in the past year or so, and it's it's a really exciting thing for me because I've always I've always sold the projects I've always I've always uh, seen the process and been there when they're doing these jobs, but now I physically uh, am doing the math and doing the science and actually producing the product myself. And it's exciting to me because it's a, it's going to open up a whole new world for my business. And so I'm like super stoked into it. Um, just, and, and honestly, what really got me really excited about drain cleaning again was, um, was Pocote technology and, and Pocote machines. Um, the way you clean pipes is just ridiculous with this equipment. And so it really got me pumped up about drains again. Plus, when I moved out to Havasu, I got a lot more drain calls. So in Hesperia, California, you know, we're Thompson Family Plumbing and Rooter. We barely get uh, drain calls because we're primarily septic um, area. It's like yep. 80% septic. So what, what happens when they get a drain, a drain stoppage or a slow drain, they're like, they, the people instantly think, oh, I have to pump my septic tank. So they call pumpers to come out and pump the septic tank versus clearing the stoppage. And then they have to clear the stoppage afterwards because the septic tank didn't even really need to be pumped. But 
that's their first go-to is to pump the septic tank. So I don't get those calls. So out here is a little different. I get a lot more drain calls and it just repumps me up because that's what I grew up doing plumbing as is just drain work. And I just mastered the shit out of the sales. And I loved doing the services that I love digging. So, Hey, if I'm ever fucked up in the brain, you put a shovel in my head and you tell me you start digging. <laughs> and I snap out of my shit. You know? So, so we, you, you, as plumbers and, and you know, this is a mechanic looking in, um, so you've gone from like cast iron and old pipes to PVC. Now your your pecs and linings is the new thing, right? So yeah. tell me tell me about the lining because all I see is like this sock shoot through this old crusty drain and like this goo yeah. come out of it. What yeah, is it? Basically. So uh, it's a it's a resin and hardener mixture, yep. and um, the the sleeve is like a cotton sleeve. I, I'm pretty sure it's gotten, uh, but it creates almost like a like a casting like you would have like if you broke your arm. It's right. basically this, that same strength. And so the outside has a PVC coating. We impregnate it with the, the, the resin and epoxy. Yep. And then um, it inverts itself. So the um, resin actually sticks to the existing inner pipe. And the outer sleeve actually becomes the new inside of that pipe. So um, it, it's just amazing because, you know, when we have to traditionally jackhammer throughout a house, and dig up the sewer line all the way across the house. What are we doing? We're de- we're definitely compromising the foundation of the house. One hundred percent, obviously, and the structural sound of this property forever. Not just for mm-hmm. right now when we're doing the work. It's forever fucked. So uh, it's it's always going to be different and changing, unless you, which most people don't do, like rebar reinforce the trench that you're doing. Nobody does that. And if you do do that, you're a badass. So I thank you for uh, doing that for your customers. I try and do it as, as much as I possibly can, but yep. you know, with this new technology, we don't have to dig holes. Like literally you don't have to dig a hole unless it's completely collapsed. That's the only case. If it's completely yes. collapsed, we have to dig up that spot. But if there is a break in that line or if there is a rotted out channel through that <laughs> pipe, we can, we can replace that whole pipe without digging a hole at all. And, you know, all these pipes now are pretty much at their lifetime capacity. I mean, uh, you're just going to be doing it more and more. I mean, we had a we had a uh, root system grow through the uh, the sewer line at the the shop and the boss just had the parking lot paved. And now you got Uh you got got a guy out there (laughs) saw cutting and then the curbings removed. I mean, the trees taken down. And now and, and like you said, I mean. It's fine. It's patched, whatever. But there's nothing like looking out into your parking lot going, yep, just had that paved and now I got a patch in it. You know, yeah, that sucks. Dude, so out here in Lake Havasu, these people, they flip houses all day long. Buy and flip, buy and flip, buy and flip. It's a really hot market for for buyers out here. So they get these houses that are built in the 70s. They're they're trashed, right? And they just put lipstick on a pig. And then they sell the house to this person that thinks they're getting an amazing house and then the first week they get into it the whole thing's flooded with sewage you know people don't think about what's under the slab and under the foundation they just just think about what they can see so it really irks me that when people buy houses that it's not mandated by the state or uh even the banks to uh perform a sewer camera inspection before they actually purchase that house to protect that investment you know well, and, and, and to be honest with you, it's kind of a detriment to everything is, is the fact that, you know, with housing boom, you know, uh, everybody's buying up real estate now. People are forgoing inspections and not that. And like, I'm not making fun of inspectors, but I've heard horror stories there that, you know, they paid for inspections. Inspectors don't have liability. And now all of a sudden somebody's stuck with a house that, you know, has extension cords mudded through the drywall. And you're like, <laughs> how did they miss this? And, and it literally happened to a buddy of mine and it was like, this is awful. And, and it boils down to now you're a, you're a new homeowner, you, and you have 20, 30, $40,000 worth of repairs that you can't make. I mean, you could do them a little bit at a time, but your house is deemed unsafe essentially. Oh yeah. So, and it sucks. And, And I, I do, you know, I'm not one for rules and regulations per se as a whole, but I do think that, you know. Yeah, when it comes to looking over a house, I think that that's a very important thing. Well, you think about that's that's everybody's largest investment or or largest purchase you'll ever have in your life. Right. Home. And that should be 
you know, worth something. And that should be worth more than just a dollar amount. We should be able to protect these people buying these houses. Um, and, you know, through the biggest decision of their lives, you know, yeah. we should be able to guide them better. Um, and I feel like realtors really missed the bar on that stuff. Yeah. So other than, other than the, uh, linings that you do, uh, what are some of, I, I usually like to bring it back to the, the new people that are coming into the trade, but you can go yeah. in whatever direction you want to do. What do you want as a plumber? So you're, you're, you're get you want to get into the plumbing trade. What should I invest in for tools? Like, uh, what, what, what should I, you know, have mom and dad get me for my birthday? What are we looking at? <laughs> well, I would, I would definitely stick with Milwaukee tools, all uh, day power tools. So, uh, and the reason why I say that is because they specifically make tools designed for plumbing situations mm-hmm. and our, our trade and they work, they do product development with products that are right now happening right now. So it's important to stick with a company that's really pushing the bar for your trade and pushing the bar to, to make your job easier, faster, and safer. And, um, you know, and I believe that that's what Milwaukee does for me and always has. And, um, like the first Milwaukee set that I got was an M12 kit. Um, I got the Milwaukee tubing cutters. I don't know if you've seen those. Uh, Those things are awesome. Uh, automatic cutters. So you don't have to keep on twisting your wrists and it just cuts it, uh, by itself. And, uh, I had like an M12 drill, which I burned out real quick, uh, because that was before brushless was around. Uh, (laughs) Of course I just abused the shit out of everything. Like you bought you, you give me a brand new tool. I will find a way to break that in less than a year. I promise you that those 12 volt systems were, were the best in their day. I mean, I invested in the DeWalt system and I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm pneumatic all the way. And, you know, I saw these guys using these 12 volt things. I was like, this is great. I don't have to drag a hose through a car. It's, it's awesome. And now for us, it's the same way. I feel the same way. Like Milwaukee is extremely um, receptive to the trades. And, you know, well, I, I never wanted to buy another M12 again after I bought that set because I was kind of disappointed. Because I got the M12 hacksaw that first came out, the hacksaw. Yeah, the little the little six inch blade there. Yeah, dude, I burned that thing out so fast. And same with the drill. And I was like, "Fuck this shit!" So I got M18s. Yep. And um, I was super stoked with the M18s. But now I'm like, M18s trash. All I need is M12 because M- M12 is finally really stepped up. And anything that's lighter for me, I'm gonna take it every day because I'm getting older, you know, and I'm hurting more. And so if I can. Uh, limit some weight that I'm holding, then I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, that's actually a good point. You know, a, a, a lot of actually nobody's brought that up. Actually, uh, there there was a guy that brought up that you know he he has less on his tool belt, but that's true. You know, the fact that you're not going for the biggest and baddest anymore, you're going for yeah more simpler no. and sleeker is 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 crazy. Oh yeah, for sure. And so like if you're if you're going to go buy some tools, you know, you, honestly, you know, you if you want to get a pipe wrench, you don't have to get the expensive shit, man. I mean, you go buy a Husky one from Home Depot, that shit's going to last you until you lose it. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, you don't have to buy a $60 wrench to get the job done. You know, I mean, just because you see it on Instagram, that doesn't mean you have to go buy it. If it's not in your budget, don't do it. I do think it's very important to set a goal to buy at least, you know, one thing, one small tool a week and one big thing a month in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was what the older guys told me when I got into the trade. If you borrow it twice in a month, it's probably time to, uh, to look into it. Right. And, 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 I, and your employer, I think your employers will help you buy tools. So like when I actually, uh, when I started out, they actually let me borrow money and then I, they would, they would take it out of my check throughout that month. They would let me spread it out. So if I bought a $300 tool, I can spread it out for four weeks and I can only pay, I can pay for it as easy, easier for me, you know, try and work with your employer. Maybe they'll help you out. Well, if you, and that's another thing, if you bring it up to your employer, um, now the tax laws are a little bit different and for tax right. people out there, don't crucify me on this. They but are. from what I, what I've heard is, is that it's harder for an employee yes. to, to right write on. off their tools versus yep. the employer being able to write off their tools. So it's actually okay. the, the, the employer to pay. I'm not saying to pay their employee less, but if you're paying, so for us, I pay, you know, close to a hundred or whatever a week in tools because I got to stay current. It would almost be better for my employer to pay that 
pay me less and you know it works out for everybody he writes off my tools i get the tools it's it's crazy so yeah that probably w- there's probably a way to get around that but i was about to say it's probably illegal to do that but <laughs> to, to lower their pay you know what i mean but if there's a bonus structure program that is different you know if there's a bonus structure you just don't pay them that bonus and you pay for that tool and it and it, it, it acts as their bonus right so right um, what i try and do is if i have a bonus structure i try and give away tools every christmas i give gangs of tools man like i like last christmas i bought a thousand dollars of tools for all my guys like i just i did it because i knew the tax laws changed and i knew they weren't going to be able to write it all off so um i wanted to be able to make sure that they're getting what i think that they deserve on their truck yeah, and that and, and that wasn't to be, you know, my understanding. Hey, I'm a mechanic, so my understanding of how taxes and everything work is is not for anybody to uh, to skirt the government out of what they are what they're no, taking. But you're exactly right, though. Yeah, I mean, there's other ways of doing it, and the traditional way isn't necessarily the right way, and and that's why it takes your employee and your employer to work together to yes. to understand that. You know, for me to get it done, I need to have the tools and it's a lot of money to do it. So stipends, everything is great. So what I do is I actually, I do rent my tools to my guys if they want them. So, um, and there obviously is a fee, but if I see them renting it all the time, I'm like, dude, get this freaking tool. You would have already paid for it, you know? So I, I do try and help my guys out. But at the same time, I do know there's tools out there that are really expensive that they can't get. But anyways, as a business owner, I do rent my equipment. I know there's a lot of people that don't like that idea. But for me, I have to do that because what happens is my employees, and and I'm not saying anybody in particular, but I'm just saying being an employee, period, if you break a tool, who's going to pay for it? It's accountability. I I love it. No one's going to pay for it. Everyone's going to be like, it was the other guy. Everyone's going to point the finger at the other guy. But renting it. No one's going to have the balls enough to say, you know what? I fucked this up, John. And all all I want is for them to do that. And I will pay, I will, I would be happy to pay for it and fix it. Right. Because I know about it ahead of time. But if I find out about it on the back end, I'm like, fuck that. You guys are paying for it. Someone's paying for it, you know? But I mean, and to, and to be honest too, I've also been on the, the receiving end of, of having the shop sawzall and then it just dies in your hand and you're like, I didn't do anything wrong. And they're like, you broke it. You were just, you know, the guy. And and that's why renting it out is actually a a cool, a cool idea because, you know, essentially you could sit there and say to the guy, don't worry about it. Why? Because it's It's already paid for. Exactly. Exactly. Every, every one of the shops renting this equipment and that's our insurance plan right there. All this money goes into the, into the repair pot. That's what it does. So Love it. It happens. We're, we are not harping your ass anymore. We're just fixing it, right? <laughs> unless, it, unless it was a really big fuck up, then we're having a conversation, right? Like you right. back up the trailer into a wall. So, single thing that's changed your career. I know you've touched on a whole bunch of things that's kind of you know uh, molded your career and 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 where I will have you tell gone? You, that that is like one of my favorite topics. And honestly, I feel like shit because it's my favorite topic but I don't remember all of the fine details of what I'm about to say. So um, I had this guy come into the shop one time and uh, it was this, it was a salesman. He was a salesman, but his pitch was so badass that it just blew my fucking mind. And I just yeah. I could not get over it. Okay. Well, there's two, there was two things. There was this guy and then there was the secret. Okay. I like the secret a lot. Mm-hmm. So, if anybody's listening to this and you have not listened to the secret, there's a Bible thumping version and then there's a kind of a non Bible thumping version. So, uh, depending on where you land on that spectrum, you know, there's yep. something for you there. So anyways, I, I had gotten into the secret like pretty heavily and, uh, I really loved the theories of energy and all these, these things. And it, <laughs> I, I really believe like that shit works. Um, so what you put into the universe, uh, comes back to you. And, um, I have held on to that very dearly, but this other man gave me a, a lot of, of really different side of the way we actually think as humans. So he comes in and he throws this pitch and there's only three of us in this class because, he, you know, he's trying to sell his services to our company so he can do a whole group thing. Right. Yeah. And he talks about sales in a whole different way than I had ever thought about it before. 
because I'm not a salesman. Okay. I'm just a people person that can throw dollar amounts to people and they buy. That's just, I'm, I don't, I don't consider myself a salesman, but yep. I'm a likable guy. When I get to your house, I am very personable. I, I ask you about you and I give you a little bit about me and that builds a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So this man like literally broke down how people learn. And he's like, I'm going to tell you exactly how to sell to every single kind of person. I'm going to tell you how to identify every single person. You are going to be able to, to pitch them on their level. And this man just freaking blew my mind and changed my life. And I swear to God, my numbers, uh, my paycheck like almost doubled after learning this technique, these techniques. And it was just learning about how people learn. And he said, this whole pitch was about not being abusive to your own children, learning how to teach your children. So you don't build aggression and, and, uh, have physical appearance or, uh, uh, give physical abuse to your children. You know what I mean? So it was a really unique way to look at it for me because I grew up in a household of massive child abuse. Mm-hmm. So it really intrigued me to learn this because, you know, I'm a, I'm a new father and I, I want to be the best dad that I could be for them. You know, I want to be able to teach them in the ways that they can learn. And so, you know, some people learn with sight. Some people r- learn with visual cues. Some people learn with emotions. So, so, you are, I, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I, yeah. this is this is one of the biggest things that me and my wife have been going through recently. Was we? I, I grew up in a time, and, and you know, I know families listening and whatnot, but it was a it was a tougher time. There was tough love. It was it was what have you. And I'm not going to go down that road. But when me and my wife decided to start a family, my idea of doing it was was this this tough mentality. And my yeah, wife was like, "Spanking your let's, kids." Exactly. So let's let my kids. I'll say <laughs> so I'm so not she, that. she goes, let's do it differently. So for yeah. me, it was um, we read Peaceful Parenting and it is the hardest thing to. And, and like I said, I don't want to get back you know, off on a tangent, but I think this is really important when you're growing your business and speaking to employees is the fact that there's the, you could be the, the hardline asshole who, you know, you're feared, but not, not respected, or you could be the guy that's in the trenches and working with them and understanding where they're coming from and what they're going through outside of work and, and what their needs are. And then all of a sudden you're a, nat, you're, you're a leader versus, versus just being the guy that's pointing and, and saying to do this. But so it works with my family is, is, and it's difficult and I, and I fail at it daily is, is this, this whole mindset of literally empowering my tiny children to, to be better people and talking to them differently. And so it's, it's interesting to be able to try to rewire my brain to think differently. And I'm sure that's what you're, you're absolutely going down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and these same traits, you can use it throughout your entire life. Right. I mean, but it's so like right now, I literally feel like I've revert reverted back to my old self because I have no time to focus on what's going to make me a better human being right now. I like, I literally don't. And I, I'm throwing excuses out there for me being not the man that I want to be. But I'm just saying like, there, there are things that will weigh your ass down, but you have to see that in yourself and get your, get your shit together (laughs) and pull yourself out of the trenches and, and fucking focus on yourself. And the love that you can have for other people, because that's going to be more respected than anything else. That's the same way as, as your customers are going to see you. Here's, here's my biggest sales tip right here. This is what I tell everybody that if you cannot teach your customer something, then you will never be able to sell them. You will never be able to um, get that job if you can't teach them something. I mean, some people, you know, some people are just like, ah, just get done. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. But that's few and far in between. So you need to make sure that you know how to communicate and be able to capture that job because it's not easy getting that phone to ring. It's not easy to build a trust in and a relationship. And if you can, that, that customer will be indebted for you, to you, no matter how much you charge them, they're going to always think positive of you. And that's, that's my goal every time is that no matter what the circumstance is, is that I want my customer to call me back no matter well, what. So that, that, that is a good point because with, with the lack of tradespeople, 
and clearly in our trades. Also, the lack of understanding for people that aren't in the trades has become the, the gap has been bigger. The 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 people the DIYers are are done. Like the the guy the the old Yankee that knew everything about his house and fixed <laughs> it all himself. Those yeah. those days are gone. You know what I mean? And and those were the guys that would come in and tell you, yeah, do do this, this, and this. And you're like, okay, whatever. But now yeah. you're right. Education educating the customer actually makes the customer feel better about the repair and keeps you coming back. So honesty, um, being forthcoming, you know, explaining to them what's going to happen, how much it's right. going to cost um, before. You, and, and, and I think that's not necessarily being a good businessman, but more being compassionate for, yeah. for your, for your person, because, you know, sitting there going, Hey, if this was my mother, what would I want to say? Hey, yeah. you know what, mom, we're going to do this. This wall's coming down. Sorry. Um, we're going to get another guy in here to, to do it right. And, but we got to fix this line and there's no other way around it as opposed to her coming home and seeing that her walls down and going, ah, this is what we got to do. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. So when you, when we reel it back into the original question that like you, you asked, you know, what has been this big thing that's changed me? It's just, yeah, we went off on a tangent. I know we did. We did. And that's perfectly okay because you know, it comes down to communication, right? Right. And uh, all the way around the board in our entire life. And that's what I loved about this guy that came into our shop. And uh, not everyone got, I, there was only three of us in there and only three of us heard it because they didn't have this guy come back, which was a, a real bummer to me because I felt like a lot more people could have benefited from this conversation. But, yeah. Uh, and seeing it through different eyes. But, um, you know, if we can learn to communicate with our staff better, our coworkers, our family members, our children, um, life around you is going to be so much better. And, uh, that's, that's what, that's my, my focus for this next year is to really get that back. Um, it's so easy to get lost in the, the mud of things in, in the hustle and the grind. And what that does is that just pushes you further away from the things that actually mean shit. And I'm guilty of that right now. I, uh, and that's, uh, I think that's why I'm focusing so much on it is that, I feel guilt that um, I haven't given my, my kids the, the amount of time and attention that they need. I mean, I've been, I've been uh, living in Arizona for a year and a half and going back and forth to California and back. And my wife's been doing the same thing. God bless her soul. She's been uh, a huge trooper in this expansion that we're working on. And these visions that I have, she's just crazy. I couldn't ask for a better uh, woman to be with um, and mother to my kids. Um, but, you know, if we can learn how to communicate better, uh, we're all going to be better for it. Well, just just talking about it and, and understanding what what you need to work on is, is, you know, there's a lot of people that don't even know what's going on. And, and the fact that oh, yeah. you're aware of, uh, of it is, is, you know, half the battle there. But um, anyway, <laughs> moving on to a to a more lighter <laughs> topic. <laughs> Dude, what do you do to unwind? I mean, like, oh god, I do go on the lake. I love that. Fantastically, love that. Um, I don't get a drink and party when I'm driving the boat, but you know what? My watching my kids and watching my wife have a great time, or my company have a great time on the water, that soothes my soul. So it's awesome. You know, I love doing that. And uh, what else do I do? Oh, I got a razor. I love riding my razor. That's fun. And I honestly, that the core problem that I have is that my work is like literally my love, my hobby and my passion. So it's really hard to do better than me working. Uh, but so I like, that's, that's what I have to really actively work at is trying to find something that I love more than work so that I don't want to work all the time. You know what I mean? No, there hasn't <laughs> been a person that has come on this podcast that say, I hate what I do. And I, I, you know, I, I like, I like doing this instead. It, it's like, no, I, I mean, I, I, so many people have said, um, I don't do anything else or well, my wife like tells you're me. Well, picking the right people. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as we wrap up the show, um, there's a, one last question I ask, and I'm a diehard Chevy guy. That's what I do. And I was wondering what you drive for work, uh, what you drive for, you know, your personal vehicle. Uh, are you brand specific? L let, let people know what, what works for you in your work atmosphere, your home atmosphere. Bro, I, uh, I love Chevy. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love Chevy. Like I got a Chevy Tahoe and I feel like they're the most reliable vehicles. On Absolutely. I have a Ford F-250 platinum, uh, for, for my, for my personal truck. Yeah. Uh, and so we, me and my wife, we both love Chevy. Okay. We know like this, they're super reliable and all this and that, but her grandfather and their father, they worked for, uh, the Ford factory. So that being said, I do support Ford, uh, as much as I possibly can, yeah. uh, because of that fact alone, you know, I, I, her grandfather's like, Oh, you better buy a Ford. Right. So I'm like, you know, I, I buy a Ford and I send him the receipt. And like, I just bought a Ford for you. You know, uh, it makes him feel good that, you know, he contributed to the family business by us buying a Ford. You know what I mean? Is that weird? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to keep the rivalry alive. I mean, it's right. it's awesome when you go when you go somewhere and they're like, you know, fuck Chevy or fuck Ford. And everybody's oh, looking God. at Dodge going like, why are you driving a Dodge? My brother-in-law is from Ireland and he actually likes the Transit Connects, likes the more European vehicles. And they've yep. actually become more practical for the trades than your clunky E250 or your Bro. G-Van. And no, I can't. I honestly can't wait for uh, Chevy to re-up their van, their van shit. Because check this out. So I got three Ford Transits this year. I know, but, right? But, sorry, no, it was last year. I bought three of them. And um, bro, so you know when the brakes go bad, you got to replace the whole caliper and brake assembly. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, and it's like a thousand dollars. And you guys two. are putting miles on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's why I have a job. Yeah, I wish I'm gonna... I could just replace the brake pads out of them, right? <laughs> I'm, yeah, putting, so... I'm putting my kids through college because of you guys. It's great. <laughs> so I do, I, I do love, uh, I do like Fords. Uh, I think Chevys are smoother rides, though. I think mm. that they really focus on the riding stability, uh, stability, I should say. Uh, and then Ford is more just fucking. We're going, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the best part is is they've always been they've been side by side. Some years they're better than others, and and what have you. And I think you know that's what the best part about it is is you really have these two camps that are like I'm diehard Chevy, I'm diehard Ford, and it's great. You um, want to hear what I what I think about Dodge? No. Yes, I yes I do. I don't know. Why I said no. It's this. It's just a noise. It's just a sound. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's hysterical. <laughs> All right, so thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, now really. is your chance to say whatever the hell you want. Yo, I'm going to plug OG Plum God on Instagram. I'm going to plug Mechanical Hub. I'm going to plug Beyond the Service, Mechanical Hub YouTube. I'm going to plug Milwaukee, Rigid, Unilite, Bad Workwear, Thompson Family Plumbing, uh, all my, my staff, Thompson Family Plumbing, and uh, who else, who else, who else? That's it. There you go. All right. Well, thank you. Dude, seriously, thank you. Uh, Enjoy your time off. Go home and be with your family. Thanks, brother.